Now, just a little fun exercise tonight. Remember some of the things we've talked about? Uh, where did we begin with this? Observation. And then interpretation. And then application, right? So we're going to practice a little bit tonight. And before we get started, uh, Jerry Sullivan, would you open our time tonight in prayer? Let's pretend that you have been asked to do a Bible study on Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, okay? What I want you to do is group together with at least two other people, at least two other people. I wouldn't get more than, say, five in your group, okay? But group together with a couple of people, and I want to give you about seven, eight minutes. Remember those skills of observation and keeping in mind the context, okay? Uh, observation, interpretation, application. And Hebrews 12, 1 to 3 is a, is a well-known classic passage. It outlines really well, uh, actually pretty easily. But I'm going to throw a curve at you on it later on uh, as we get into the discussion on it. Uh, but anyway, uh, what I want you to do is group together with your team right now. And on that blank sheet of paper, uh, write down your observations about Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. If you're studying that passage in depth, and like I say, let's say you've been called on to lead a devotion... Uh, say at halftime at the men's basketball league or you're teaching Sunday school this weekend or you've been invited by somebody to do a Bible study on this or you just want to study it better on your own. Uh, break that passage down and record everything like we've been talking about. On your mark, get set, <laughs> go. Work in teams. Work in teams. Teams, teams, teams. Mm-hmm. 
oh, I'm, I'm just grinning hearing, hearing everybody talk. I didn't, I didn't hear what all you were saying.
We're getting close. Raise your hand if you need three to five more minutes. You do, okay. <laughs> just, just so you get by, right?
you on the spot since you've Okay, now remember when I said at the beginning, if you want to break down a passage, you're going to want to use a translation that is more word for word, like something like the New American Standard, ESV, RSV, New RSV, a translation like that. The NLT, I mentioned, if you're reading through a book, uh, it just, you can read an entire book before you even realize you re- it just reads so good. And you can kind of get the big picture and then go back and break it down. Uh, this, this passage is a great example uh, for using a more word-for-word translation to get sort of your big coat hangers. You're like if you were going to develop an outline on this. Because believe it or not, there's only two main clauses in all three of these verses. That's all. Hard to believe, isn't it? See, somebody might say this passage is about letting examples from the past inspire us. Okay, does it address that it addresses that somebody else could say well this passage talks about the need to deal with sin in our lives is that true sure it's true but neither one of those would be the point of this passage the point of this passage is let us run with endurance the race that is set before us Okay, And then the second main clause is down in verse 3. Consider him who endured such opposition against himself. Those two statements right there, the whole passage hangs on those two main clause statements. Now, if you're going to run your race with patience and endurance then what are you going to need to do you're certainly going to need to look to those examples from the past you're certainly going to need to deal with sin and encumbrances Uh, you see what i'm saying how if you're using a more literal word for word translation it can help you break down what the main clauses are now a lot of you this is further than you want to go i realize that but for those who really want to get into detail about breaking passages down i would recommend that you dig out of your library an old english grammar or go get you an old english grammar and learn about main clauses dependent clauses and then verbals like participles and infinitives and things like that you'll thank me five years from now that you brushed up on all that because you're going to be amazed in your bible study how things lay out so much better but anyway uh sure exactly so let's just back up then um since 
since Ned's done that, let's, let's hear from some of you what your observations were and how you broke down this passage. Uh, that's certainly the first one. Uh, therefore tells me what? From the previous verses, right. What he's about to say is connected with what he's just said. What has he just said? What's he been talking about? The heroes of faith. From ch- Yes. Yes, because as you look at those examples from Hebrews 11, what he's trying to tell them is you're the ones in the race now and you need to run with endurance. So what do the examples of the past say to you about running with endurance? All of them had a tough time, but they persevered, right? In other words, the Christian life is not going to be easy because all of these examples connected back by this therefore, what he's talking about them, they ran their race with endurance. They faced suffering, trials, persecutions, imprisonment, even death, right? So that's going to say volumes to us about how we're to stick in there and run. Because it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's a lifelong marathon. Okay, what else? What else did some of the groups put down? People are watching. And, and we are to be watching. Through the pages of Scripture, we are to watch the lives of those back in chapter 11. It's not that they're watching us. It's we're watching them. You say, how can we watch them? They're already dead and gone. We watch them through the testimony of the pages of Scripture. So we're watching them, and people later on are going to be watching us the way we look back at others and see their example. Okay? What else? Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. Sure. And if we're going to run our race with endurance, we've got to deal with anything in our life that would hinder. And he doesn't just mention the black and white sin. He broadens that even beyond that. What's he say? Wait. 
Uh, some translations say encumbrances, right? An encumbrance could be something that is not bad in and of itself. But it could be bad for you because it hinders you in your race. It could be a hobby that occupies way too much of your time and your focus is on that instead of running your race for Christ. So it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be something evil in and of itself. He's saying deal with those things too. And of course deal with the things that are sin, that are wrong. But if you're going to run your race, you've got you've to deal with all that. Yeah. Yes. And think about fixing your eyes on Jesus if you're running. Has anybody in here ever run long distances? Okay. What, what do you need to do in a race? But something having to do with your eyes. Yeah. Well, you, you want that goal up there in mind, right? You don't want to be doing this. You're slowing yourself down and wasting energy. If you're looking at who's gaining on you, you've, you've got a point out there and you're running towards it. And for us, in our race, who's that point? Jesus, keeping your eyes on him. Okay? What else? Yes. Yeah. Right. They were having a tough time in the Jerusalem church, right? Yeah. The the Jews were having a tough time of persecution. And uh and that's, that's the whole point of the book of Hebrews, too, because some of them are having such a tough time, they're thinking about going back to the temple, going back to Judaism, because that was easier. Their countrymen and their family members accepted their Jews, but now that they're Jews in and around Jerusalem and the, the whole region, and they're living for Christ, boy, they're swimming upstream against everybody. It's tough. And so some of them are being tempted to go back. And he's saying, no, you, you, you run your race now with endurance and look to these saints of the past. They had tough times too. Uh, but the context is, Rick, as you're saying, Hebrews written to Christians who were Jews. 
In fact, in some of your, if you do study commentaries in some of your background work and some of the better commentaries, here again, this is getting in even too deep maybe for some, but a French commentator from back in the 50s, his hypothesis about Hebrews was, was the book was written to the priest in Acts chapter 6, the passage on deacons. And when the church got that situation straightened out, it says even a great number of the priests came to Christ back in Acts chapter 6. And so one commentator back from the 50, he, he thinks the book of Hebrews was written to these priests who've now settled in Antioch and part of the church there. And, and they're not enjoying the prestige they had when they were priests in the temple and things were easier for them. And life's really tough for them now because they were Jewish leaders. Now they're Christians and so their countrymen are really turning on them. You, you were a spiritual leader of ours uh, in, in Judaism, and now you're a Christian. And they were really being opposed for that. So in the context of it being written to, to, to Jews directly. What else? Don't lose heart. And he really ties that in with Jesus, right? The example of Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. He's going to go on in verse 4. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. He did shed blood. You think you've got it tough? Jesus had it far tougher. So don't lose heart. Look to the example not only of these saints in chapter 11, but also supremely the example of Jesus. So you, you see what y'all are doing in this little exercise? You're, you're just building kind of piece upon piece, right? And recording down your observations of that. And that's good. What step is that in this process? In observation, exactly. And we've already, just in, in this little exercise of observation, we've, we've even gone ahead and done some interpretation and application about this whole thing is focusing on our race and what's going to keep us going the way we're supposed to uh, keep going, right? So what I'm trying to get you to see when you're studying a passage, just slow down. Don't just fly over things. Slow down and think about each step that's being talked about and how it ties together with what came before and what follows it and follow the pieces. And like I say, if you really want to kick it up a notch, you know, brush up on your English grammar a little bit. And, you know, what, what are the main clauses? Because that's really the main points that the writer is trying to get across. And then all this other stuff in some way or another is modifying those main clauses. Okay, 
Uh, now, in, 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 in doing this, before you, if, if you're reading through Hebrews, for, for example, uh, as we've said, you know, a good study Bible is going to have an introduction section too, right? And so if you'll slow down in that introduction section in your Bible and pay attention to what it's saying, you can learn enormous things about what that book's going to be about. Because it'll, it'll tip you off to some things you're going to want to look for. And in building a basic library, if you want to go, for those who want to go beyond that, just some very simple surveys like... You know, and I'll, I'll show you some in a minute where you can get them. A survey of the New Testament. This is going to basically just be a little more involved than the introductions you get at each book of the Bible. The introduction to Matthew, the introduction to Mark, Luke, uh, John, Acts, so forth and so on. A survey of the New Testament is just going to give you more information if you want to dig a little deeper. Uh, there's excellent uh, introductions or surveys on the Old Testament, Encountering the Old Testament. There's one called Encountering the New Testament in this same series. And it just gives you background on, on each book, okay? Uh, so you can get the Old and New Testament through this. I just brought a, another one. These things are multitudinous there's so many different surveys uh, but that's for those who want to go a little little bit further even from the introductions you're going to get in your study bible at the beginning of that book uh, to give you some tools uh, in this process you know that first night i i had a bunch of books laid out and I told you I don't do a lot of online stuff I like a book in hand I can take notes in the book but I realize we're in an electronic world if you want some great study tools uh, olive tree does anybody in here use olive tree okay it's a free app and it's available if you use Apple products or if you use an Android uh, you can go in your app store olive tree and and it's a free download but then what you're gonna notice about olive tree and I don't know why I am not getting the top of the page huh I'm not getting the toolbar at the top. Well, that kind of blows what I want to do. Because under one tool, you're going to see just Bibles like they're on a bookshelf. And you click on that, and it's, it's going to tell you, like if you have the ESV study Bible downloaded. Now, while the app is free, the, the neat thing about olive tree when you do make purchases it's a la carte you don't some electronic apps they're gonna bundle a bunch of stuff together you're gonna say I just wanted such and such I didn't want to buy all that other stuff in olive tree you can 
you can purchase everything individually. And what it's going to do is download into your program on your iPad or your iPhone or Android phone or your laptop. And uh, you, can, you can go and make purchases and the categories, like you can buy other study Bibles, commentaries, concordances, uh, atlases, Bible study tools. I mean, this thing just goes on and on. There is a wealth of information in Olive Tree of different things you can buy. And when you make a purchase, uh, what it does, again, it downloads it into that little library, one of the icons. There's, there's a library and a shopping cart. And, and you click on your little library, and it's going to come. Everything you've purchased is going to be in there. And so you could have an entire Bible study library on your iPad. If you, if you do like to do things electronically, you can, do, you can buy word study stuff. Uh, what, what this is right here is, uh, let, me, let me get back to it because I've messed it up. Okay, like 1 Thessalonians, this is the ESV study Bible. Uh, this is the introduction to it, just like you, if you're holding an ESV study Bible, a hard copy on your lap right now. This is everything in that, okay? And, and then... You get to all the notes that go with the text. And like you can, you can click on the text and the text box comes up. Uh, does that make sense? But you, again, with, with Olive Tree, if you want to buy commentaries, word studies, surveys... Whatever you want to buy in your Bible, it'll be in the live, uh, olive tree. It's, a, it's amazing what all they have in that. So uh, you don't even have to worry about trying to purchase all these books, you know, get, get them sent to you. You can just go online and do it. Another great Bible study tool is BibleHub.com. Now, everything in BibleHub.com is free. There, there's nothing you're downloading in it for purchase. And, and if you were in 1 Thessalonians 1.3 and say you wanted to uh, right up here uh, you wanted to get some commentaries on it. You could click on comment. And then you got all these commentaries on that. On that verse. Uh, if you want to do an interlinear, you click on the interlinear tab. Get all that with the numbering uh, so you can click on the numbers and do a word study on that Greek word if you're in the New Testament or Hebrew if you're in the Old Testament. And it's linked with Strong's, that number. So you can, you can click on that word and that number and it'll come up in Strong's and what that word meant in the Greek or the Hebrew. BibleHub.com, and again, the tabs all the way across. If you want to see sermons on what has been preached on that verse, uh, you want visuals that you could tap on 
and, and include that visual for your class that you were teaching that. Again, comments, that'd be the common commentaries. There's just a plethora of stuff on BibleHub.com. It's all free. Okay? Does anybody use that in here? Okay? BibleHub.com, it's a website. And again, just pay attention to the tabs across the top. And there's about any translation of the Bible in English up there that you can click on if you want to uh, study the passage in different translations. You can put them parallel beside one another. Okay? Yes. Okay? 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 Good. Good. Yeah, there's a lot of them, a lot of people like Logos. I think the advantage of Olive Tree over Logos is Logos likes to, if you do want to buy additional study aids, they like to sell you things in bundles, whereas Olive Tree is a la carte. You can buy each individually. So check out Olive Tree and check out BibleHub.com because... All of these tools I've recommended to you, like from session one, you, you can get them right there on your iPad, okay? Now, what I want to do tonight, let's move on, if that's okay with y'all. Let's move on to covering... What I want us to look at this evening more is we're going to look at chapter overviews. Chapter overviews, topical studies, word studies. Okay? Now, uh, look at your, your guide that I passed out to you tonight. The chapter summary method of studying the Bible. Okay? I hope you realize the Bible, when it was originally written, did not have chapter and verse divisions. In fact, believe it or not, it wasn't until AD 1228 that Bishop Stephen uh, Langton added the chapter divisions. Uh, the chapter divisions were added to make the Bible more accessible to the reader. You know? If we didn't have chapter divisions and I got up I'm, Sunday mornings, I'm, I'm in Mark, and, and it was just a continuous text, it'd be pretty hard to announce to you where I am to find it, right? So it's helped us. Uh, and usually the chapter divisions are at good breaking points. Sometimes they're not, but usually they are. There's 1,189 chapters in the Protestant Bible. I say the Protestant Bible because remember the Catholic Bible includes the Apocrypha. 
but in the Protestant Bible, 1,189 chapters. If you just studied one chapter every day, uh, you could read through the Bible in its entirety in a little more than three years. Okay, You wouldn't read through it every year, but if you were to set aside one chapter a day to study and do that, you'd get through your Bible in a little more than three years. Now, as we think about a definition... Can everybody see that okay over here? Is my stuff blocking y'all? Okay. Uh, The chapter summary method of Bible study involves gaining a general understanding of the contents of a chapter of the Bible by reading it through at least five times. Summarize the central thoughts of the chapter, of the passage. Um... Read it in different translations too. Read it, reread it, and reread it again. And make notes on your observations. You'll be amazed by reading a chapter over and over again the different things that stand out to you. Okay? Now, when you think about why this method is, is useful, uh, it enables you to begin understanding chapters of the books of the Bible. Uh, usually chapters are fairly short it's easy to learn it doesn't take a great deal of time usually 20 to 30 minutes is sufficient Uh, it doesn't require any outside helps or reference tools if you're just doing your your own observations on that Uh, as I mentioned uh, some tips for doing it read the chapter at least five times Read the chapter afresh in a new and a Bible without a lot of uh, your personal notes. If you, if you turn to a chapter in the Bible, you got tons and tons of notes in it from previous readings you've done. Maybe get another Bible and kind of start fresh and, and see if there's new insights you gain instead of just getting locked into notes you've, you've done before. Read it without stopping. Read it in several translations. Several translations can help you see how different translation teams translated words and and you see how they dealt with words. Those different translations almost become like commentaries in in their own sense, helping you to understand the meaning they assign to different uh, words. Uh, Read aloud during one of your readings. So you'll, you'll hear the chapter, hear yourself reading it. Sometimes as you're reading something aloud, something will kind of jump out at you. Uh, fill in the following ten things. Uh, do a caption, give the chapter a brief title. For example, uh, if you were doing 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, if I give my body to be burned but have not love, if I do such and such but have not love, it profits me nothing, love is patient, love is kind, you know that chapter. What is that chapter commonly referred to as? The love chapter, okay? So in your notebook, 1 Corinthians 12, give it a caption. The love chapter. You know, we were looking at Hebrews 12 a moment ago, and that therefore that linked it back to Hebrews 11. 
What's Hebrews 11? The The roll call of the faithful from the Old Testament, right? You could title it, the caption at the top of Hebrews 11, the roll call of the faithful from the past. Uh, Somebody named John 4, their caption at the top was, well, well. You know what John 4 is about? The woman at the well. They titled it, well, well. Just give the title a, a, a... Give the chapter a caption. Uh, The contents summarize, uh, outline some of the major themes you see in that chapter. Uh, By the way, talking about if if it helps you to outline. uh, I mentioned a guy that's very basic. He's not complicated. Warren Wearsby. You can buy... He does outlines every chapter of the Old Testament and every chapter of the New Testament. Now, I I would encourage you to do the outline for yourself. But these tools here, every, every chapter of the Old Testament outlined. Every chapter of the New Testament outlined. Warren Wearsby, and he spells that W I E R. S-B-E, Wearsby, Warren Wearsby. Um, as you're writing down the contents, you know, outline the chapter, either yourself or a tool like that. Uh, list out the chief people in it. And ask questions, you know, why are they in this chapter? What, what are they about? What's significant about them? There's a reason that person's in that chapter. Maybe choose a verse in that chapter that just seems like a key verse to you in that whole entire chapter. And you know what? That might even be a verse you want to memorize. We don't emphasize much of that anymore, do we? But it's good to have some memory verses. If there are certain words that seem to just jump out at you in that chapter. Because like John 15, for instance, if you were in John 15, uh, over and over again, what's a word that you're going to find in John 15? Abide. Abide, 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 abide. I mean, that, that word is over and over and over and over again in John 15. Is that an accident? Not an accident. Write that down. Uh, Challenges. Are there any difficulties about this chapter that I might do some need to do some further research on? Cross references. Use the cross references in your Bible. Uh, Look up other verses, other passages that might help clarify that chapter. Ask yourself, is Christ seen in a particular way in this chapter? Uh, Central lesson, write down uh, major principles, insights, lessons from from that chapter. Is there something you could reduce it down to? This chapter is mainly about this, this topic. And then the conclusion with some application. What am I going to do with what I've read in this chapter? So just using a whole chapter 
to just go through this process of observation, asking all these different questions, questions, making note of all these different things. The, the chapter overview method. Does anybody in here, do you, do you do a lot of that? Just chapter by chapter? Okay. Keep, and, and again, I tell you, if, if you'll either enter your insights into your word processor on your computer or in a notebook or whatever, save it. In later years, especially if you become a Sunday school teacher or Bible study leader or something, having all that done, I mean, you've, you've got a wealth of information you've done from your previous readings. So see what, see what I'm saying, too? Just Instead of just reading quickly through your Bible, slow down. Take time to do all of this. Record everything down. And you've, you've got a little treasure there that you can keep so you can go back later on and have some work already done on that chapter. But the, the chapter study, uh, chapter overview method, excellent uh, way of studying the Bible. An, another way, the topical method, uh, examining topics. A definition, the topical method of Bible study involves selecting a biblical subject, tracing it through a single book, uh, or through the Old Testament or New Testament or both, the entire Bible, to see what God's Word says uh, about a topic. Now, if you're going to do that, you're, it's going to help you to have either a topical Bible, there's such things as topical Bibles, at the back of your study Bible, there's going to be a topical index. So if you want to study sanctification, for instance, uh, an exhaustive concordance like Strong's is going to give you every time in the whole Bible that word is used. So if you wanted to study the topic of sanctification, get out your Strong's, look up sanctification, record down every single time that's used in the Bible. Go back and read all those references and look at the different ways different verses and even books in the Bible might be using and applying that word. If you wanted to study a, um, what, what's a topic? P prayer. Do a, do a study on prayer through the Bible. And again, a topical Bible and concordance, looking up every instance and then taking time to go and read and jotting down your observations, what the Bible says about prayer. Now, the usefulness of that approach, it enables you to study the Word of God systematically, logically, in an orderly manner. It gives you a proper perspective and balance regarding biblical truth. You get to see what the whole Bible is teaching on that topic. Instead of just thinking about what an individual book in the Bible teaches about that topic, you're, you're getting the scope of what the whole Word of God teaches on that topic. 
Uh, it allows you to study subjects that are of particular interest to you. It enables you to study the great doctrines of the Bible. Uh, it allows you great variety of study. Think of all the different topics in the Bible. Anybody in here do, do many topical studies? Okay? Uh, like I say, prayer. You could, you could study marriage. Everything the scripture has to say about being a good husband. Our wives would appreciate that, right? Um, every reference on the second coming of Christ. Every reference on love. Or on the judgment of God. Topics that interest you. And tracing that topic through the entire scripture. Now, some tools that are going to help. Study Bible, an exhaustive concordance, and a topical Bible. And some suggestions for doing this. Uh, compile a list of words related to the topic. For example, if you were studying suffering, for example, you might want to consider other words like affliction, pain, grief, sorrow, trials, tribulation, right? Collect all the references and consider each verse individually. And, and remember those questions of an investigative reporter. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. Compare the references with one another. Condense your finding into an outline. Arrange your material on that topic together into an outline that you can get your arms around. And then conclude by summarizing and applying the topic. Does that make sense? A lot of people love to, they love to study their Bible this way. Uh, again, my favorite way, I like to study the Bible a book at a time. And uncover whatever that book talks about. But from time to time to do a topical study, like I say, like on prayer or something. Uh, it's an awesome way to learn what the Bible says about that topic. So you may want to do a book study, and then you may want to change it up. Do a topical study. Change up your Bible study a little bit. Keep it fresh. Okay? Am I moving too fast? Okay. Just trying to give you some very practical ways. Not trying to be academic. The word study method of, of Bible study. Uh, before I get to the definition, let me mention something though. Keep in mind the Bible was originally written. The Old Testament, Hebrew for the most part. Small sections in Aramaic, like, for instance, in the book of Daniel. Um, 
but primarily Hebrew. And the New Testament was written in Greek. Not, not the classical Greek of the university or of Homer or something like that, but Koine Greek, just the everyday layman's Greek, street language. That's the, the language of the New Testament. Uh, and as we have said before, uh, no two languages are exactly alike when you have a parent language and a receptor language. You don't have a one-to-one ratio. If there's one word in one language, there's automatically going to be that same word in our language, English. May not be. And word studies are going to help you see, okay, here's how translators in our English Bibles have translated that Hebrew word, that Hebrew phrase. You can get a lot of good insights uh, on that. Uh, the word study method of Bible study takes a microscopic look at the origin, definition, occurrences, and uses of a particular word, especially as it relates to the context of a passage of Scripture. Uh, the purpose is to learn as precisely and comprehensively as possible what the biblical writer meant by the word he used. Uh, why? Let's see. Why did it die out on me? Hmm? Why should we study words in the Bible? Irvin Jensen, one, one writer in the past who's done like how to study your Bible books... He said, just as a great door swings on small things, so the important theological statements of the Bible often depend upon even the smallest words, such as prepositions and articles. Most of the great doctrines of the Word of God may revolve around a single word, such as grace, atonement, faith. You know, David declared the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver refined in a furnace of clay, purified seven times. But these flawless words were written in a language other than ours. And sometimes we don't understand their full range of meaning. Because again, the difficulty of translation. Words are not equivalent between different languages and so we need to discover how that word was used in the original language and how translators tried to bring it over into English I don't know if you realize this or not but when the original text of the Bible was translated into English some 6,000 different words were used did I put this in your notes okay Whereas in the Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek original, 11,280 words were used. Okay? So how do you, if those original languages, 11,280 words in all were used. I don't mean the total number. 
number of words from Genesis 1-1 to the end of Revelation 22. I mean the vocabulary. If that many different words were used, in English translations, it's cut down to 6,000 words. So what's that mean? Well, one example, the New Testament word in English, servant, translates seven different Greek words for servant. And in the Greek, every one of those seven words for servant have a little different nuance to them. But in English, you know, one word, servant. Do you feel slighted? Love. I mean, in Greek, you know, you had all these different words for love. The, the primary ones in the New Testament, phileo, a brotherly kinship type love. Agape love, a self-giving, self-sacrificing type love. Storge love, a family affection type love. And then a Greek word for love you don't find in the New Testament. Uh, eros, a more of a sexual type love. Uh, we get our word erotic from eros. That was a Greek word for love. So you had all these different kinds of different words for love in the Greek. And in English, how many words for love do we have? One. So if you're studying a text and you're reading about love, you may want to dig deeper and say, okay, which word in the Greek language for love is this? And does that, did that Greek word have a significant nuance to it? Word studies. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Right. Okay. Sure. Your your guiding philosophy because translators deal with a couple of main things course accuracy but then also clarity how do I translate it into the receptor language as accurately but as clearly as possible for the receptor language audience yeah uh, if you want to do word studies biblehub.com again those tabs across the top you can click on those you can you can put in the verse where you are and find the word in that verse you want to do a study on and go to the tab up at the top line in Bible Hub click on that and and you can go to a little section it'll it'll just pop right up a little word study on that word okay uh, if you want a Bible that does the Greek the Hebrew Greek key study Bible uh, you you read through the text in this and key words that they think that you might want to look up will be underlined there'll be a number out beside them and in the back uh, there is a little section corresponding to that number that word 
will be given in the Hebrew or the Greek and then an explanation of the meaning of that word. Uh, the Hebrew Greek key, uh, key study Bible. But again, you can do the same thing on BibleHub.com. And, and a, a word study book that a lot of lay people like because it keeps it simple, Vines. Anybody in here have Vines? Okay. Do word studies uh, with Vines. Uh, now, you know, obviously when you're doing a word study, you're, you're wanting to find out in, in the English, like if you're in a passage that says servant, what are you trying to discover if you're in the New Testament? What the Greek word for servant was. And, and out of those seven Greek words for servant, that particular one, what's the special nuances that that, that Greek word for servant had? You're trying to get back to the meaning, obviously, of the original word. Whether it's an Old Testament Hebrew word, New Testament Greek word. Okay? Trying to dig back. What did the parent language, how did it use that word? Because, again, it's not always an equivalent English word. So, word studies. Tools. Well, I didn't put those down, but I did on your thing. A study Bible, several translations. Again, by several translations, you're just seeing kind of how the translation teams struggled with trying to translate that particular word into English. Uh, it helped to have a good English dictionary, a Bible word study book. I mentioned Vines, Bible Hub com the Hebrew Greek key study Bible uh, things to keep in mind while doing word studies sometimes several Greek words are translated by just one English word sometimes one Greek word is translated by several English words sometimes one Greek or Hebrew word is translated several ways in English so some simple steps, choose your word, find its English definition, compare translations, find the root meaning, the origin of the word, using your study tools, and discover the word's usage in the Bible uh, with your tools. So three methods tonight to, to help expand how you study the Bible. The chapter overview method the topical method, and the word study. You say, Scott, which one should I be doing? Change it up. Do all three. You know, you could do a chapter overview. You could start with that. And then in that chapter overview, if there's some topics in there that are uncovered, then go off exploring those topics and then there might be some words in that chapter that stand out to you. Do some, do some word studies on those words. So one method can, can, can kind of dovetail into other methods. Make sense? Okay. Any questions?
tried to keep it very simple. <laughs> well, you know what? In the morning, you may want to sit down and read three or four chapters at a time. And then later on in the day, say, I'm going to study uh, one of these chapters more in depth. Sure. Just how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. Uh, <laughs> to, to study your Bible, it is going to take a time investment. But if you've got a hobby, you put time into that. Probably if you look at how your day is laid out, I dare say just about all of us could find an hour or two here or there where we waste a lot of time. And if we really want to get to know our Bibles, use that time to read and study more. There is no shortcut. There is no shortcut. If you think you're going to study your Bible and know it well and only give 10 or 15 minutes a day to it, it ain't going to happen. Pardon the grammar there. It ain't going to happen. you got to invest time into it. It's a document. It's God's Word and inspired through human authors. It, it's a document. And you've got to analyze the document. You've got to break it down. You've got to look at it. You've got to outline it. You've got to observe what's there and record all your findings. And little by little, as you go through books of the Bible, you build your skill. Let me encourage you to maybe start, if you want to start studying your Bible more in depth, start with a shorter New Testament book, maybe Philippians. Start with a book like that. You may not want to start with Ezekiel. Okay? Get your feet wet with James, Philippians, something like that. And practice some of these different skills that we've laid out. Okay? And then as, you, as it becomes more second nature to you, then tackle some of those bigger books. Okay? Don't forget... Every if, if you didn't get previous outlines, uh, week one, two, three, four, five, and tonight six, and then sort of the, and then I've given you that page, the meta-narrative of the Bible, creation, fall, redemption centered in various covenants, and then restoration, just kind of an overview of the storyline of the Bible. The Bible in 66 books in the Bible, it tells a story. Don't lose sight of that. There's a meta-narrative. There's a big overarching story, right? It's going somewhere. Uh, so understand that flow. So you're not just bouncing around and everything's disjointed and disconnected. You know, there's the creation accounts in the beginning the family that God chose uh, out of all 
peoples and how he built them into a nation and the covenants he made with them. Of course, after creation, the fall, and then what God's been doing about the fall up to our current time and, and, and the redemption that we have in Christ and then where it's going, the restoration of all things at the end. So understand that meta-narrative of the Bible uh, and where each book fits in. So keep that in mind. But again, to get started on these different methods, start with a smaller book. Get your feet wet. And set aside time. And record. Again, I can't emphasize that enough. Take notes on things, because by taking notes on things, it forces you to slow down and write down your observations, just like your team did at the beginning tonight.